Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you with addictive cravings, depression, anxiety, or even improving sleep. Founded by a father and son in recovery, they truly understand the needs of the sober community. Learn more at exactnature.com and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode and checking out the Sobriety Diaries today. We have a lot of new listeners, which is so exciting, and plenty of episodes in our archives for you to go back and listen to. So I'm excited for people to sort of rediscover the show and go back and see how the show has evolved and to do the Where Are They Now episode at the beginning of this season. I will be welcoming guests back for some of our recovery roundtable chats. And I really just think that it is a great way to continue to build this community around recovery and to share resources and to share stories and recover out loud, as I now say in almost every episode. But I had a cancellation this past weekend, and I decided to invite the first two uh, who replied to that story to record an episode with me. And today is one of those women. Her name is Michelle, and she's been following the podcast in the Instagram page for a while now. And it really just seemed like it was the universe telling us both that uh, we were in the right place at the right time, and and this was exactly how it was supposed to happen. So listen and learn more about Michelle, as I do uh, today through the recording and uh, editing of this episode. And I can really say that Michelle is a new friend. So let's open the diary on Michelle. Michelle, thanks so much for making time today and coming on the Sobriety Diaries. How are you, my friend? I am so great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. I uh, We were kind of just laughing a bit. This all came about very quickly. I posted on Instagram, hey, who wants to share their story? And, and you were willing to jump in right away. So what sort of prompted you to want to share your story today? Um, you know, I think it's important for me specifically to recover out loud. And for me, that means sharing my story with whoever wants to hear it. And um, 
I'm very open about it. It's not shameful to me to be in recovery. It is very um, empowering to be in recovery. So it's something that I'm, I'm open about and willing to share. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to share it with a wider audience. And I've listened to your podcast and I like your style. And I just thought I'd jump on it. Like I told you, I'm like, yeah. I'm not a celebrity or anything, but I've got a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's got a story and yeah. you know, you've heard the podcast and I say at the end of every episode, if we help just one person, I think our job is done and I'm sure that we can do that today. So thanks for reaching out and I'm excited to hear more. So I like to start by inviting you to share when was your last drink or drug and why was it that day in particular? Sure. So I am at 278 grateful days, um, free of alcohol today. So thank you. Thank you. And alcohol was my big uh, substance of choice. So, um, that's what I really became, um, addicted to and having a problem with my last drink would be on June 12th of 2021. And, um, the reason it was that day is about a week before that I had reached out to a friend that I, that was actively in recovery through AA and had been posting about it on Instagram. And I said, you know, I think I have a problem and I kind of want to go to a meeting and she's like, Oh, great. You know, you want to come with me? And then it was no, no, no. And I told myself, I want to have one last time, one last hurrah, you know, for whatever reason we do that, some of us. And I um, knew my friends weren't going to be home. It was a nice sunny summer day. They have a nice pool. And I thought I'll pack a little ice chest because that was my style, bring my little ice chest of my own beverages. And uh, packed it up with about 14 white claws and headed on over and started slamming them as fast as I could by the Mm. pool. of course, I passed out in the sun for a while, probably a good hour by myself because swimming while you're intoxicated sounds like a great plan, right? Yes, alone. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, got on the pool a little bit, then sat back down on the patio, passed out again for probably half an hour and um, went over, cracked open another white claw, dozed off again, woke up. It was warm, so I had slept long enough, but it's also hot here in the valley and realized that I had drank about 11 and uh, then decided this will be a good time to go ahead and go home. So shamefully, this is the part I'm shameful. <laughs> I have shame over as I drove home. Yeah. Um, don't remember getting home and uh, got into bed and told my husband, oh, I didn't drink that much. You know, I'm just really tired from being in the sun and played it, you know, tried to play it off or thought I did. And that was, that was my last drink. The next morning was a horrible morning. Um, it was a hangover from hell. And that's really where my life changed was in that morning. I had already known, like I said, about a week before that it was time to make some changes Mm -hmm. and letting go of alcohol was the change that needed to be made. And that morning as I'm vomiting and shaking and laying on the bathroom floor and sweating and, you know, just kind of writhing in pain, And I'm praying, I'm actively praying out loud, like I would often do when I need something. Yeah. And I'm saying, please, God, I know I've got to stop. Please help me. Like, I'll do anything, you know, let this be the last time I can't do this anymore. I need your strength. And I just remember kept saying, I'm like, please, I need your strength. I can't do this by myself. I know I can't, I'm not strong enough, you know, and 
something came over me, just kind of washed over me this piece. And I really think that it was for me, my higher power, which is God and just really said, like, I got you. And as sick as I felt, I just felt some sense of peace. And from that day forward, I have to tell you, and I've shared this many times at meetings and, you know, through different avenues with friends that needed to hear it and such, or have asked me, I have not had the desire to drink. Wow. Now I, I have the unique experience in that that obsession has been gone for me since that day. Mm-hmm. And I am very grateful. I know that, that it doesn't work that way for everybody, but I have not had the temptation to pick up a drink. I can walk through that section of a store and I'm not tempted. I don't have that taste. My, you know, my salivary glands aren't saying, Ooh, you'd love yeah. a margarita. Yeah. I mean, does it sound pretty good? Kind of, but I remember where I was and I just don't, I just don't want it. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, I can relate to that. Not in the sense that it happened very quickly or or immediately. I think I was probably about a year, maybe a year and a half into recovery. And, and that was lifted from me as well. And, you know, I think I, my heart goes out to those who still struggle and, and hang on to their sobriety when that urge or that craving exists far longer. Um, I think we're probably a few of the lucky ones that it gets lifted mm-hmm. from. There is some guilt there, mm-hmm. like you said, because I feel bad that people are like, oh, isn't it so hard? It's so hard, right? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, because yeah. it's not hard for me. And I feel guilty that it's been easy. But I I can appreciate the struggle that others face. And, um, you know, I have that empathy that I wish that I could wave a magic wand or, you know, have God or whatever their higher power or anything intervene and, and just snap and make it easier for people. But I've learned that, you know, it's okay that it was that it's easy for me, you know, right. everybody's journey is different. And not to feel as guilty, but I I do wish that it would be easy for everyone, of course. In looking back, you know, through different uh, moments in your life, have you been able to identify any things that have contributed perhaps to your addiction or I guess in self-reflection, how Mm -hmm. do you, you know, place uh, where Mm -hmm. or sort of how this began? Mm -hmm. Um, For me, um, I was like a short, I would say a pretty short term um, alcoholic, you know, um, alcohol abuser, and that the pandemic is really when it kicked off for me. And I think it, you know, that happened to a lot of us too. But yeah, I lost my job at the beginning of the pandemic, a job that I thought that I really loved and was like my dream job. And that was kind of ego and soul crushing to me. Um, it ended up being for the best and a, and a real blessing in disguise. But that kicked off the Oh, poor me, you know, now I'm unemployed and now we've got this pandemic and da, 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 da. And I have all these feelings, you know, I'm looking for a job. No one's hiring. Okay. Well, let's have a drink during the day. Oh, it's fun to go on, you know, social media and TikTok and see all these fun new drinks people are drinking and, you know, all these little things that I just started thinking it was funny to, you know, have a eight o'clock drink or a whatever, yeah. um, middle of the day bender, you know, and then it became, um, I had a friend at the time who I'm no longer friends with, um, for obvious reasons, we're on different paths now, but 
we really became kind of codependent and just like buddy drinkers where it was like, come over and we just get wasted. And then we're door dashing, you know, more alcohol or getting somebody to give us a ride to get another bottle. And it just was getting ridiculous. And I was lying about it and lying to my husband who worked nights. You know, it's like, as long as I was home by the time he was home, he wouldn't know how much I drank because I could be asleep by one 30, you know, and, and just stupid, just stupid stuff and picking fights, not being myself, um, turning into a person where I, it just wasn't me. And, um, I started also during the pandemic, really thinking about my past and my childhood, which was really tumultuous. And those feelings came up of, you know, a lot of emotional abuse, um, just some violence in the home and, um, without digging too deep into those things. Um, you know, I, I just felt like I was always told to kind of put my emotions away. I'm too emotional. I'm too much. I'm difficult. Um, you know, I'm bratty. I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I just didn't like who I was. I always felt like alcohol gave me the opportunity to be somebody else and this fun, bubbly, carefree, who mm-hmm. cares, you know, party animal. And I didn't want to admit parts of myself were there. Um, I am, I identify as pansexual. And as a child, it was kind of a joke that, oh, Michelle's a lesbian, you know, and it was joked about. And I felt shame that, well, I might be, you know what I mean? And maybe I do like girls and, and then I wanted to be a police officer. Well, you know, police officers are lesbians, you know, just all those things. And And I always thought, oh God, I can't be a lesbian because they'll make fun of me, right? Um, Whoever. And it took me forever to even admit, besides to very close people, and why we have to even come out to people like it's none of your business, but whatever. That's a whole nother podcast, right? Yeah. But it's (laughs) like, I am who I am. Put that onto us that we do have Mm -hmm. to. It's, it sucks. But yeah, totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. So, I mean, there was that part of me too, that was like, I never really explored that. And the relationships that I had with women were in secret because I was, had this shame about it because I was afraid somebody would look down on me or my family might not accept it or whatever. And in the long run, none of them really would give a shit. You know, it was just, (laughs) yeah, it was just these inappropriate jokes really. And, um, you know, so finally one day I was like, it was like, you know, national coming out day. And I posted on my Instagram, like, if you didn't know, now, you know, okay, here's me coming out. Like (laughs) I like men or women. I happen to be married to a man that I'm very in love with. It could have very easily have been a woman, like sex organs don't matter to me, like (laughs) whatever, get over it, you know? And, but I still feel like, I don't know. I need to be at a grand marshal of a parade or something to really embrace that side. Cause I feel like I have all these lost years where I didn't get to talk to people about it. So that's part of it too. It's just, you know, yeah, I can totally relate with that being such a big part of who you are as a person, I would imagine, and not being to identify with it openly for a long time is tough. And it's part of the reason that I started drinking so early was because I was in the closet for such a long time. And that shame and that guilt, to your point that other people place upon us really, was I think a a part of the reason that my addiction to alcohol sort of uh, escalated as quickly as it did. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have um, two nieces that are questioning, I would say, and one of them that probably identifies more as probably pansexual, I would say. And, you know, she's 14 years old and they're very open with me and I'm very supportive of them. And I hope, you know, I tell them, I'm like, if that's how you feel, embrace it, you know, be safe and be smart about your decisions, but you need to be who you want to be, no matter what other people think, you know, you come to me and their mom, my sister is very supportive of them. And I envy them because they're so young being able to figure this out openly. It's like, man, you know, how freeing that is. And it makes me just beam with pride that they're, they're comfortable with saying, you know, how they feel. And, um, I'm glad that they don't have to go down that that same, same route that I did, yeah. you know, being 41 and finally now being able to say, Hey, look at, here's my flag guys. You I know? know, I know it. it's, it's, it's sad. I turned 40 but next month okay. and I, and I've been like reflecting on different things throughout my life. And like, I think there was that sadness for a long time that I, I didn't always get to be so free and so open and always be mm-hmm. happy and open with relationships. But I think like, to your point, you kind of have to shift or I had to kind of shift my perspective on it and say like, okay, in, in, in one way, it's like the things that we have done or like we have been through or experienced are, haven't gone in vain. They are so mm-hmm. like this younger generation can do that and feel like it's okay to be open and free and happy and who mm-hmm. they are. So uh, I love that you mentioned that. I, I kind of have yeah. to have that perspective on things as well. Yeah. Like paving the way for the next generation, making it just a little bit easier, hopefully, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. And my son who's 15, you know, he knows and he's support, very supportive of me. I mean, we, um, I mean, he knows about my alcoholism. We're very open in our family. And as a matter of fact, when same sex marriage became legal, um, I'm an ordained minister just because I like to officiate weddings and do yeah. wedding planning. And my son and I went to um, the local pride festival and passed out flyers that I would do, you know, weddings. Amazing. And it, it was really exciting to me. You know, it's a different, it's just a different time. And yeah. um, he was little then, but now as a teenager, you know, his whole outlook, he's just very, very accepting and understanding and mature about things. But I love that. Yeah. What are some short-term goals that you have for yourself and this new sort of focus on yourself and, and this different, you know, path that you've created for yourself? Mm -hmm. What are some things that you want to accomplish? Geez. Well, in this new clear headspace, it's like, I have all this time to think, right. All this time of serenity and peace that I had crazy thoughts before. And now I can just sit there and I'm okay with my mind. Um, I'm going back to school now and finishing up my bachelor's degree, which I've put off for a long time for various reasons. You know, there's always a reason it's cost, it's time, it's work. So I'm enrolled back in school and that's something I definitely wouldn't have done in my active drinking stages because who has time for that? Um, (laughs) um, I'm really, really working on myself. I was really working through AA and the steps and then I kind of, I got a little, I don't know, just, it's not the only way, right? I don't, yeah. I'm not going to bash them because I appreciate it and I love the program and it works for a lot of people, but I needed to take a little sidestep. So through social media, um, through people like yourself and your podcast and other recovery, um, people in recovery that share 
I found a new community that I really like, and I do a lot of Zooms. There's an international Zoom that's 24 hours that I really enjoy um, being popping in on. And so one of my short-term goals is to start leading those meetings. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then uh, just really not over committing. That's something that I do a lot. Um, I work in nonprofits, so it's easy to get pulled onto boards and things. But I know that right now is a time where I need to go day by day and work on myself. Like I said, it's been easy for me to resist temptation, but I'm there's part of me that thinks any day that could flip. You yeah. know, um, I recently, gosh, just like a week and a half ago, totaled my car, oh. you know, praise the Lord. I was sober. So Thank that God. part wasn't, right. you know, that part wasn't on my my conscience or whatever, but, um, you know, that's a stressful situation. I don't have the greatest credit, you know, it'd have been easy to pick up a drink to forget about that, but why, what was that going to do? That wasn't going to make my credit score get higher or make a down payment appear, you know? So it's, it's a whole new way of thinking. So just learning how to deal with stress and continually dealing with stressful situations and remembering that I can't control what happens. I can only control my reaction. And as long as I do what I feel is best and react in a positive way, it really does change the outcome. For um, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, just, control just remembering the, those things, you know, how perhaps the other driver acted or right. how yeah. the police officer treated you, but you can mm-hmm. control your own response and your own reactions. Right. 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 So, yeah, I've gotten back to thinking things through and, you know, watching that Im- impulsive reaction to do something to alter my mind to get over it or whatnot. You know, right. I take antidepressants and I thought for the longest time, gosh, these things just don't work. Well, you know, they don't work when you mix them <laughs> with a bunch of alcohol like you're not same, supposed to. Same exact. As soon as I stop drinking, yeah. the same dosage just happens to work like a miracle. Yeah, right. You know, who would have thought? We're filling our body with liquid depressant and wondering why um, we're sad, right? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) why am I so depressed and feeling so low today? Gee, I wonder, Michelle, you know? One of the biggest changes or um, shifts in my life, positive things with my recovery was being able to mend relationships and revisiting relationships that perhaps were fractured because of my drinking. What are some of your favorite or I guess most surprising benefits of uh, sobriety? I would say one of the the most surprising is that I'm more control of my emotions. Mm. I was one of those people that could burst into tears at any moment um, from anything. You know, your boss calls you in to talk to you about why you're late. And it's like, let me cry about it. (laughs) You know, always feeling like I'm just on the verge of tears and I just couldn't manage them. And I remember walking into my first meeting and of course, crying through the whole thing and someone talking about how they were able to learn how to regulate and control their emotions and not be so quick to cry. And I thought, wow, I hope I can be her one day. But through through learning how to process everything and the empowerment of if I can stop drinking, I kind of feel like I can really do anything. You know, there's this crazy like superpower I feel. Yeah. Um, I'm not so quick to turn to tears. I'm better at vocalizing and articulating what my emotions are. So in confrontation or such, you know, I'm able to stand up for myself a little bit. And, um, 
that's really surprising for me. And in mending relationships, I, I currently have a really fractured relationship with my dad and his wife, my stepmother of 30 some, some years. And, you know, there's been a tumultuous history and there has been some instances of emotional abuse that, you know, they want to pretend that didn't happen and have told me, you know, that didn't happen. And I know that it did. And I finally had to really set boundaries where I said, look, until we can heal these things, we can't have a relationship because I can no longer sweep this under the rug because being around them and ignoring it and pretending like everything's always been fine. And we're this great family. That is something I am afraid will take me back to that place where I want to drink because at every family gathering with them, I would drink to feel like I could deal with the teasing, you know, my family's very into, they're very funny. I have a hilarious family, but their way of being funny is to pick a victim and zero in on them. And you are it. And a lot of the times it would be me because I can take it. I'm stronger, you know, but there's only so much you can take of saying, well, you know, her and her bad attitude and, you know, asking my husband, you know, how's it going? We know how difficult she can be like, who needs that, you know? And yeah, show you show up late and oh you're finally here so it's like one day i i had been drinking and i blew up at christmas and was like look your toxicity is too much i can't handle it the way you relate to each other it's negative with this oh i'm joking undertone i'm like why do we have to talk to each other like this why do we have to do this you know and oh michelle you know you're making a big deal out of nothing yeah. and yeah and it's like, well, look, these are my boundaries. I, we don't act like that in my household. We're not comfortable with those jokes, you know, making fun of somebody's height, weight, the size of their foot, whatever. It's just not why, you know? So we're working on that. Um, I kind of reached out to my dad with an olive branch text message, just telling him that I love him because I want to repair that relationship. But I also need him to know that, you know, when he feels like I've done something wrong and I'm 41 years old and he calls me and screams profanities on a voicemail, you know, and next time you want to talk to me, come talk to me to my face, like a woman, like it's a duel. That's not appropriate. No, you know, I mean, it was, it was really, it was a bad voicemail and it really kicked off the whole thing of, I need some space. And now, you know, it's been, been a while. I mean, I was very early into my recovery when I was like, I got to cut this off or it's going to send me back down, you know? Yeah. And, um, and even them kind of throwing in, well, I know you're working on your sobriety, you know, as if it's Mm. a bad thing. It's like, yeah, I am working on myself, you know? So we're working on mending relationships. Um, like my sister is one that I had, you know, been intoxicated around quite a bit. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry for any times I made you uncomfortable or embarrassed or, and she really was just like, no, you're fine. You were fun. You were, you were fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you mean I was fine? You know? (laughs) Yeah. So you never know how, you know, these things are going to go. I mean, I, you know, really told my husband, you know, the only times we would argue is when I had been drinking and he's not a drinker and, or he'd tell me, Hey, take it easy when we go tonight, you know, don't go Mm -hmm. so hard. And then I'd be like, well, don't tell me what to do. And then it became, he's not looking, you know? Yeah. It's so that, I mean, we like never argue. I'm like, really? All that was 
because somebody wanted to imbibe a little too heavily, you know? So those relationships are important to me. My sister and my husband are the closest people I would say to me and, and we're good and solid. So from there, I'm like, if I can make sure that they work, I can make (laughs) sure anybody, you know? Yeah. And those boundaries are healthy, right? It's healthy to have um, reasonable boundaries with someone. It is. We have to do what we need to do to protect ourselves and keep Absolutely. ourselves healthy. And yes. and as hard as it is to sometimes say, look, I can't talk to you for a while, especially to your parent, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's rough. And I mean, my mom passed away when I was 20. She had a history of drug abuse that, you know, she, she turned her life around and she quit, but you know, it does damage to your body. And she ended up having a massive stroke at 39. And that was a path that I didn't want to see myself go down. And all of her, all of my mom's side of the family is heavy in addiction. Um, Out of five siblings, there's two left and three of them really, their deaths were addiction contributed to their deaths, which is really unfortunate. Wow. Michelle, what's something you're grateful for today? I am grateful that I am here and healthy and I'm alive and able to share my story. Um, Hopefully it gives somebody strength that, you know, to be themselves and be strong and really know that a substance like alcohol is not making you a better person and no one needs it. No one needs it. It's not a vitamin. It's not like, (laughs) you know, you don't need a glass of red wine for your heart or whatever they say. You don't need any of that. So, you know, just to get out of that mentality that we need to run to the liquor store on Friday night or just, I don't know. I want people to feel hopeful for their futures and and strong in themselves without needing to alter themselves. Um, Believe in yourself and have some confidence. It would be a really boring world if we were all the same. So we've all got to be a little bit different. I mean, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be friends with a bunch of Michelle's. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Well, we have a lot of listeners in early recovery. So what, what advice would you give to someone who is considering stopping drinking or is perhaps realizing they have a problem? How have you navigated the first year or what advice would you give them? I would definitely encourage them to reach out to someone that's in recovery. And if they don't know someone, chances are they have a friend who has a friend. Um, A lot of people are really open about their journey. So social media is a really good place. I think, um, you know, we, sometimes it gets bashed, but I find a lot of good in it. So I follow a lot of recovery, you know, people in recovery, their accounts, TikTok. I follow a lot of people that are in recovery and that really encourages me, but really reaching out to someone in your community that you can go to a meeting with. Um, for me, a meeting was a good start to hear stories and really hear people's strength, you know, of 30 years of sobriety or two days. It was a really good opportunity for me to know that I wasn't alone and hearing stories, um, being shared, um, where you find things in common and you don't feel so awkward or so, um, like something's wrong with you because there's so many people that are suffering silently that really just need a friend, um, to encourage them. So find someone you trust that you can kind of hang out with, really surround yourself with people. If, if you're trying not to drink, hang out with people that don't drink. It's a lot easier to stay strong. You know, 
I am blessed in that I have good family and friends that I hang out with. And the minute I stopped drinking, I told them and they have been nothing but supportive. Nobody's tried to, you know, say, oh, just have one or anything. They've been really good about it. And um, like my cousins and stuff that, you know, we used to all drink together. They're like, yeah, with our family history, we probably should all, you know, keep an eye on that. And it's like, yeah, you know, so. So just leaning on others and surrounding yourself with non-drinkers, finding new hobbies. Um, I love to sing and I would always be shy. And who knew that in a room of sober people and doing sober karaoke, I would find this empowerment to go up and be the superstar. Yes. So, oh my God, sober karaoke. So, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it really brought me out of my shell and it was like this therapeutic thing. And now I'm like, when's the next one? You know, I'm just ready <laughs> yeah. to go up there like with my set list, you know? I <laughs> so, love it. What are two of your oh go-to gosh. karaoke songs? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> funny you should ask. No, yeah. uh, Tennessee Whiskey. Okay. Ooh, good I one. love Tennessee Whiskey. And then um, I usually like to throw in a Shania Twain. So something okay. fun like um, Any Man of Mine. Yes. Um uh, you know, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I would say Tennessee whiskey. And now I've got a couple of my friends that are like, hey, sing that for us. And so yeah. then it makes me feel really special, you know? I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but I think you're, you're, I couldn't agree more as surrounding yourself with people who, and not even necessarily are, are, you know, in recovery, but maybe who just choose not to drink or it it just makes sense not to put yourself in a a group of hard drinkers if you're trying not to do it. Right. Yeah. And that could be hard if, if that's what, what you hang out with, what all your friends are. I mean, I mentioned a friend before that we were really drinking heavy with and our relationship ended because that's really all that it was based on. It was a very shallow friendship that felt very um just codependent and just wrong Mm -hmm. and at the root of it it was like how good are we for each other we're not you know um so it's important to recognize those things and it's okay to let some relationships go and I um I met a great group of sober women and we've done some things together and you know have a text thread and and it's people from all different walks of life that I would have, you know, ne- probably never met in any other avenue and <sighs> just finding out how much we have in common and everybody's different backgrounds. It's exciting to meet new people and, and be able to share things and none of us are getting sloppy, you know? I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I mentioned earlier, yeah. if, if, you know, we reach one person and help them. Um, I know that you will with your story today. And like I said on Instagram, everyone has a story to tell. We don't have to have a huge following or be rich and famous. And I appreciate you sharing yours here today. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been great. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.